fakes the handoff. He drives the lane. He takes it to the house. Bouncing off defenders. He just laid it in. He just put it up and in. 56 seconds to play. Oh, by the way. In the entertainment capital of the world. Game 7 is over. It's an instant classic. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A three for the game. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. You've got to pinch me. The doctor is now in. Happy Monday to you. Glad to have you with us. T.C. Martin Show. Ballpark Frank with you. Nunchuck on the side of the glass. And yes, a very, very busy weekend. Basketball-wise, whether it's Vegas or nationally, a lot of hoops to talk about today. And we look forward to game number six coming your way tomorrow night with the NBA Finals as the Milwaukee Bucks have a chance to close it out. We'll talk to the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright. He will join us a little bit later this hour, so hang tight for that. Talking about if the Phoenix Suns are cooked or not. So, been a very interesting series, very good series. We'll dive into that with him. Plus, Team USA off to Tokyo. That's right. Our men's team, our women's team, and our three-on-three women's team off to Tokyo, Japan. They left today as uh, we get ready for the Olympic Games. So that will be incredibly interesting, especially with uh, everything that's going on in Tokyo with the COVID situation, no fans allowed in any of the venues. It is going to look like a totally different Olympic Games, and we will dive into that. And again, that starts later on this week. So for the next uh, three weeks... We're going to be talking a lot of Olympics. Bernie Fratto is going to join us as well. Uh, Bernie, fellow uh, cohort broadcaster, just released a just I, well, I guess you say released because via Amazon and everything wrote a new book, um, "View from the Cheap Seats." Some uh, great sports stories. So love talking with Bernie uh, again, fellow broadcaster, longtime broadcaster back in Detroit here in Vegas with. Uh, Fox Sports Radio right now uh, does a very good job on his weekend show there on Saturday nights at 11 p.m. So uh, we'll visit with Bernie Fratto a little bit later on today as well to catch up with him and talk about the book and exchange some great uh, sports stories as well. All right, so busy weekend, a lot to do, a lot going on. And uh, we, we start with the, with the NBA, and uh, we had plenty of basketball, didn't we? I mean, and now we get a little bit of a break here in Vegas. I mean, we had... The, we had the WNBA All-Star Game a week ago on Wednesday. That led us right into Team USA, the men, Team USA with the women, and Ice Cube and the Big Three over the weekend, too. So all of that pretty much gone now, and uh, Las Vegas takes a, a little bit of a break from basketball. Yeah, well, it, it does here uh, as far as watching it live and the venues around town, but certainly, like you mentioned, with the Olympics there, you hope that there's no more COVID cases. We've already seen that uh, strike different things in the Olympics with basketball, and uh, I know the, one of the women's gymnastics alternates has COVID, so she's off the team, but it won't affect Simone Biles and the other other ladies on the team. So, yeah, a um, lot of basketball. Uh, I was watching that game while I was watching UFC and uh, the fight card from PBC as well, which, by the way, the main event, absolutely horrific horrific decision uh to get a draw out of that absolutely stupid but uh and then i uh, saw the return of misha tate back to the cage and misha looked pretty good so yeah i was had kind of had my head on as much of a swivel as i can have it these days but uh trying to watch three tvs at the same time <laughs> that ufc thing though it just it cracks me up i mean you're watching that and I couldn't hang with it just because of the fact that there are no fans. I mean, you're, not, you're watching basically an empty arena. I'm th- it took me back to COVID, which gave me a negative sense. And it was great to see Misha Tate. It wasn't a great card. But when we go from watching Conor McGregor and uh, Dustin Poirier and all that electricity, all that excitement, and then you come back with a dud like that. And I know, you know the matches were okay. I, you know, I know you're, you're probably going to say, but to, to put it in that environment... I mean, that, you, you, you fail, Dana White. You fail if you feel the need that you have to have cards every week to keep your audience, which you don't. But when you put cards like that behind one of the most anticipated cards in recent history, you, you miss the mark. 
Well, you probably do miss the mark, but it was scheduled beforehand. And one of Dana's things, and this is what he said through the entire pandemic, was even though it's going to cost us a lot of money, we're going to continue to put on a fight so our fighters can get paydays in that. Mm -hmm. So you got to respect him for that. Yeah, at the Apex, it's not the greatest place, and it is strange without fans. Maybe it's a precursor. Maybe it'll get us ready for the Olympics where there's going to be no fans anywhere. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's funny that I keep on seeing these commercials for the opening ceremonies of the Olympics coming up. What the hell is that going to look like? How are you going to have an opening ceremonies with nobody in the stands? What are they going to do? They better not have 100,000 cardboard cutouts there or something like that. But I honestly don't know what they're going to do for that. So I'm curious about that. But, but yeah, I mean, as far as being at the Apex, I'm, it's not where they wanted to be. But it was another weekend. They wanted to get another payday for the fighters. Uh, like I say, I thought Misha looked very good. I thought in the main event, uh, the, the guy that won is an up-and-coming fighter. But I thought he played it too safe. I thought he should have finished it a long time before that. But you know what? He got the victory and he got the submission. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not crazy about it at the Apex. But I guess I look at it differently than a lot of people. I really don't care if fans are there or not when I'm watching. You're looking at the product. Yeah, yeah I, right. I just look at the product. But I will say this. The product is generally better when fans are there. For instance, if this NBA final was in the bubble of last year, what the hell would the series be at right now? Because home court has meant so much. We've seen such a swing in that there was no home court. It was just what color jersey are we wearing? Yeah, no, that's sports. You know, you need fans, and and the players love it. The, you know, obviously the fans uh, love watching games. And again, perfect example. Like I said, what we've seen in these first five games of the NBA Finals, in in the home court basically dominating up until you know game number five in Phoenix, where the Bucks got the road win, the fans have made it. And again, ratings are are off the charts. Again, you know, when you look at these two teams, probably two of the, the two best teams, if we go during the course of the entire season, definitely the two best in the postseason. Uh, you got plenty of star power in this thing. But yeah, would it be lackluster without fans? Absolutely. And I'm with you with this Olympics. I am curious. I mean, that's really the word. Before, I always, you know, would use a, a different phraseology. I would say, I'm really excited. I use that adjective. I'm excited, really looking forward to it. I, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm ex- I'm really not excited, to be honest with you. And I'm curious. I mean, that has taken over our, our situation now because of no fans. And you, you bring up a great point. The opening ceremonies. I mean, we're traditionalists. We, we enjoy the pomp and circumstance and the, and the ceremonies and the color and the pageantry. We love that about, you know, college football and sports in general, specifically the Olympic Games. And now what is that going to look like? I don't think we're going to see 100,000 cardboard cutouts. I don't think they have enough time to, to do it. And plus, they've, well, spent, they've had an extra year. Yeah, they, <laughs> but, but they thought they were going to have fans. You know what I'm saying? And plus, the fact is, I think they've used all the cardboard to make the beds. Now, I'm going to save that story for tomorrow. I don't know if you guys heard that story or not. But, yeah, the Olympic Village, the beds are made out of cardboard. But we'll get into that tomorrow. But anyway, yeah, what's that going to look like? And let's welcome the United States of America. And we're going to hear the anthem. And then I got to thinking what you said last week. Are they going to pipe in sound? You're going to have to at this point, right? Well, you'll have to. I mean, we know that they're going to pipe in the sounds of the national anthems of all the teams when they enter the arenas. And we know we're going to have that during the medal presentations where the athletes will be putting the medals on themselves. Yes. So, yes, it, it's going to be very strange. The other th- Another thing you mentioned, curious, and I think that's a good word for it because I'm curious. In Olympics, in track and field, in swimming, in so many events that have world records. Obviously, there's not world records in gymnastics and tennis and stuff like that. But in things that have timed or distance throwing or something like that, people spend their entire life to peak for the Olympics. We see so many world records. Will there be world records without people cheering in the, fan, in the stands in that? Will there be a different, even though you're trying to do it because the Olympics, will it be that same atmosphere to break the world records that we routinely see in Olympics most of the time. Yeah, I think you know that, that goes to the performance. And I think, obviously, these athletes are still going to perform at a high level, uh, especially in these individual sports. In, It'll be in high, crowd. but will uh, it yeah. be the highest of all time? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, answered your question, will there be world records broken? Yeah, I, 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 absolutely. And, you know, then we get into this situation, too, is like, well— you know, we've seen numbers posted in all the sports book of how many gold medals the United States are going to win. I think that number is like is forty six and a half, which is right where it was in the last Olympiad. And then, you know, how, uh, will the United States win the most medals of everyone? All that sort of thing. All combined. All gold, combined. And so, 
it's just going to be weird. It's going to be, again, curious. And then, um, and how many stories are we going to have to watch or sit through of, you know, the NBC is always putting together, you know, for these filler stories and just kind of these human interest stories of what is happening in Tokyo. And I think so many people are just want to get past COVID and want to get past the situation. And the games have been postponed a year later. And then they're all excited about that. And then now it's like, whoa, wait a minute. I mean, I guess you could have probably held the Olympic Games last year if we're going to have no fans, have all these protocols, everyone's going to be quarantined and everything. So it's just, you know, wondering how many stories we're going to see with that. And how are the ratings going to be? And I, I firmly believe because people are looking at this as a negative, it may turn them off from watching. And then once you start watching, kind of the way I, I felt about the UFC card the other night, without any fans, without you know the yelling, the screaming, and it's not just the, the, the cheering of the fans. I go back to the pageantry. It's the flags. Everyone who comes, oh, not everyone, the fan but bases, yeah, yeah, they bring their flags and they bring that. So, you know, flags the, and signs yeah, and everything. Else. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. And I really, it's think, all part of the pageantry, right? I think, I think that is really going to have a major effect on the opening ceremonies and all the competition. And I think NBC could be in for a, a ratings disaster. Well, and and this too, and I certainly don't want this to happen. We're already seeing people get tested with COVID over there. What about when some big name or medal winners or people competing all of a sudden aren't eligible? And I, I really don't want to say this, but it's something you got to watch. Will they get through the Olympics? I think they're going to basically force themselves to. Because at this point in time, they were too late in the game to postpone or cancel them or postpone them at this point in time. And there was that talk, as we talked about a month ago. But they said, you know, we're we're all in. I mean, yeah, you our, can't have the winter and summer, summer Olympics at the same right, time. Although right, they used right. to do that, but they yeah. were still spread out. But yeah, it's, it's a, different. And Tokyo is so Tokyo is going to be losing so much money on this already. Mm-hmm. And now, like you say, with the no fans, with everything else, what are the ratings going to be? You know, I don't know about you, but if I watch, well, I will watch as much as I can. But I'll probably be watching most of it live. I'm not one of those people that likes to watch it when they put it on at 8 p.m. at night in prime time so everybody yeah. can see it. And I know the results of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Because when you're, you're dealing with the, the time difference there, of course, and again, with social media and everything else, you, you do know the results. But what are we gonna You do? have to try hard not to find out yes, results you do. for that. Yeah. You, can't, you can't watch ESPN or anything because you can't watch the ticker or Fox Sports or any mm-hmm. of them like that. You can't look at your phone. You got to turn off any sports updates that you have or something like that. And then you got to hope that you're not in a bout. And when somebody goes, wow, do you believe Simone Biles? Wait, no, shut up. Yep. Could you, you know, just, or, or did you see that in track and field? No, shut up. Yeah. And you can't push all of your marquee events to the weekend. And that's what they try to do as well, too. So at least that could be daytime television. Everybody can see it. Yeah, that's, it, it's a difficult uh, you know, project. And then we're going to have all the side stories, like you mentioned, of whenever the women are sprinting, how many times are we going to hear about Shikari? And we're mm-hmm. going to hear about her story and the marijuana and this. That. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. – and the other thing – the one thing that I don't like about the Olympics is that – if you watch it in this country, and maybe every country does this, if you watch it in this country, you think that it's only Americans competing half the time. Yeah. They really don't show other people unless they're, oh, here's an American that got a bronze when we didn't think they'd get a medal at all or something like that. I'd like to see more of the best mm-hmm. athletes in the world just because they're the best athletes in the world. I don't care where they come from. I mean, America is great, and we have tremendous athletes in almost every field out there. But that's why the whole world gets together. That's why the total on the medals is 46 and a half, and now we're going to win them all. Yeah, and fortunately, because we are in America, we will get a chance to see the majority of those great athletes because the Americans have so many athletes in the games in those different sports, and they right. may not be very good, but because of that, they'll show that. Uh, and to your point, I'll, I'll give you a, a prime example. When uh, I was was a, was the last Olympic Games or the one before whatever it uh, was I was in Italy, and during the course of the Olympic Games, and I wanted to watch the Olympics, and I would try to you know, for that week that I was there, trying to factor my my day or my my night around watching that, and what did I see on Italian television? Italian athletes. Yeah. I saw everything from Italian handball to, you know, a lot of these minor sports that you would never sh- get shown on NBC here for, for in, in America. 
And I was stuck. So answer to your question, yes, every country does that. And, and I knew that most of them did, yeah. but I wonder if some of the smaller ones don't have enough to do that. To the, Obviously not to the extent that we do yeah. over here. And I get it, too. And, yeah. and Buck Power Paul told us, mm-hmm. you know, our buddy yeah. over in England, you know, he's like, well, yeah, they, they basically tend to show all the English. And it makes sense. Sure. But I would just like to see, and, and maybe nowadays with all the channels, that maybe they'll have some where they will show a little bit more. And I'm not saying that they don't show anybody from the other countries. That's how we knew names like Lassie Vier and Bibi Bakila yeah. and people like that, Kipchoge Kino and that that we were talking about the other day. But it seems like more and more as the years go on, they get more and more centrific and just focus in on the Americans. If the Americans aren't winning a gold medal, here's a story on one of them that's going to be competing. Right. When I was in Italy, I, I couldn't see like a a USA-Argentina basketball game. I wasn't going to see that. Instead, I'm, I'm watching you know, Italy against Portugal or something like that. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're just – that's the way it is. In the country. But I, think, I think it's better in this country than it is every other country because – Maybe. You know, and because we probably have so much coverage and so many different channels correct. to put it on in that too. So. Correct. And like you said, the other thing that's always – that it, it always kind of makes me laugh because – and you mentioned one of the sports that I see people do it about. Wow, that team handball is awesome. Yeah. That's great. I need to watch it. Then they put it on as nobody ever watches it again. They yeah. watch it every four years. That's it. You know, like yeah. like most people think that track and field only happens once every four years or something like that. You yeah. get ready for you know, world championships go on all the time. There's a lot of great stuff out there in all the sports, but in so many sports out there, you know, it's just the Olympics that's all that matters. Well, you could say that for swimming, as popular as swimming is oh, absolutely. and knowing that well, the swimming Americans and diving. Yeah. yeah. But how often do do Americans watch it? Every four years, maybe you know the U.S. championships every year, but but no, it, well, it, it, it gets buried. As yeah. huge as Simone Biles yeah. is, because yeah. she's the greatest of all time. They shine every four years. In this case, the five years, yeah. but the World Championships and the non-Olympic years, and that yeah. they, they some people will go, oh, Simone won again, or if she were to lose, they'd be like, oh my God, Simone lost. Yeah. Well, she must be getting ready for the Olympics. It's like kind of when Usain Bolt would lose once in a while in a non-Olympic year, and people go, oh, he's vulnerable now. <laughs> he's not any good anymore. He's not late. Oh, here's an Olympics. Oh, there's another world record. Yeah, but you'd have to hear about that from, from a secondary source because you w- couldn't watch it. You know, on television. Yeah. We're, I'd, we're I'd probably that. be that secondary source because yeah. I try to watch all that stuff right. when it comes on. Right. But no, it, it, and I get it. Because it is the biggest thing, but sometimes I almost feel sorry for. I think we talked about Dwight Stone's years uh, a, a while back, and the, did the Fosbury flop yeah. and the high jumper and that. Dwight Stone was popular because he was kind of a character and that kind of stuff, but he didn't win Olympic gold. Right, he, he won all the other stuff. So in his sport, some people kind of looked at him as well. He was, he was good. He might have hold the world record for a little while, but he didn't win Olympic gold. But he was a good announcer. Yeah. Because <laughs> we heard him announcing for year after years after years yeah. after that. So, yeah, that's, that, that's marketing. And, uh, you know, and rooting for Vashti Cunningham again, you know, she finished 13th uh, at the last Olympic Games. That was her first. And she was actually the youngest competitor uh, at, at that point in time. And that was right after she had won the World Indoor Championship. Correct. So she was go. really on a high. Right. And it, it's funny because a lot of people think like, well, why is there an indoor record and an outdoor record in the pole vault and high jump and all that kind of stuff? Because conditions that do make a difference all in track your timing and, and all that sort of stuff. The sprints as well. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. the sprints, at least you could say, yeah. well, yeah, there's wind and stuff like that. But there, there's definitely variances in that that, that make it very different. But, uh, yeah, she's a sensational high jumper. To be, and, and those are the kind of sports, too, that if you get hot and you have your best on that one certain day, you can win gold. How often do we see that in the field events? The discus, the shot put, the hammer throw, the jam. I mean, you see a guy that, oh, he's ranked 15th, but they uncork that one throw. It's the throw of their life. Right. It's like, you know, Bob Beeman's long jump. He's never going to do it again, but they don't have to because they did it for the Olympics. Right. All right. So a lot of interesting stories, uh, you know, coming up here with the Olympics and every day now. I mean, and we talked about this last week that was this was probably going to happen as we get closer. And especially once the athletes get to Tokyo, which athletes, uh, you know, could contract this, uh, could events be postponed? And like I mentioned, you know, Team USA from a basketball perspective, the men, the women, uh, they got on planes today are going to Tokyo. And we just saw Team USA play yesterday. Uh, at the Mandalay Bay at the Michelob Ultra Arena where uh, they defeated Spain. Uh, they trailed that game early, uh, but they came back to win 83-76. to And uh, one of the guys who played you know, pretty well uh, was Zach Levine, um, the Chicago Bull, 
who's on this team. Well, today we get news that Zach Levine is not making the trip. He was all set to get on that plane today. And again, they did more testing here this morning. Zach Levine comes back positive. He's not making the trip. Now think about this. Here's a guy comes been in Vegas the past three, three and a half weeks, training camp here at the Mendenhall Center at UNLV. You go through these you know, four exhibition games. Should have been five, but the game against Australia was, was canceled. So you go through four exhibition games, and you're packing basically for a month and a half or, you know, you know, basically like five, six weeks you're packing for, and then you're getting ready to get on the plane today and you are told, sorry, you are not going. Your Olympic dream is over. So Zach Levine is in COVID protocol. I don't know what the team USA, the men's side are going to do with replacing him because at this point in time, uh, you know, who, who can you bring up now? You got to bring somebody else over and, you know, traveling basically by themselves well, um, maybe you could put him on the plane with the three guys that will be going from the NBA championship. Yeah, you know, it uh, could be. Could send over a four-pack. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you could. You could. But you, know, you don't know when those guys, you know. Well, yeah. Because the basketball, as you know, is immediate. I mean, they start playing the 23rd. So you, you don't know if Chris Middleton and Devin Booker and Drew Holiday are going to be ready, even for game one. Because if this goes seven-game series, you know, game seven <clears> – <throat> Is is going to be what uh, Thursday Thursday so what, night? So what you're telling me is Greg Popovich is hoping for Bucks and six. Yeah, yes, <laughs> <laughs> just just like all those uh, Milwaukee. He's like all the people in the Deer District. Yeah. yeah. So and then so here's another story and another lo- local aspect here is that uh, the women's three on three, Katie Lou Samuelson, who's on the three on three along with Kelsey Plum and Alicia Gray and uh, Stephanie Dolson. She uh, tested positive as well, too, so she can't go. So Now, this is three-on-three. Do you know what the rosters are for three-on-three? You probably know this because you heard me probably talk about her. I posted earlier today. I mean, I glanced at it, but I don't know them like that. It's four. I'd say I know it as good as the back of my hand because, I mean, who really knows the back of their hand? (laughs) I always hated that statement. I thought it was four or five. It's four. Isn't that right? So so you have one sub. You have one sub. So, So... Either somebody, you put them in to get something hot, or if somebody gets injured, heaven forbid that doesn't happen, then yes. you literally, then you go with those. What, what do they do if two people get hurt? I know. Do you, do you play woman I, woman down? I don't. Like in soccer or something? Is it three on two? Well, they do. Is, have, it, is it a power play the rest of the basketball game? They, they do have two coaches. So maybe those coaches, hey, we'll throw in one of the coaches uh, as well. But uh, so from a local standpoint here, and... I got a little bit of a theory here. So when they announced that, hey, Katie Lou Samuelson wasn't going to be able to, to play, that took your roster down to three. They needed to find somebody else. Well, they picked up Jackie Young from the Aces. Now, Jackie's had an amazing season. She would not probably be, you know, one of the, the top four players that you would like to get for three-on-three. But, you know, we've seen her half-court game. She's very strong. She's developed, uh, you know, that mid-range game pretty nicely. She's a physical presence. But one of the reasons I got to believe that they selected Jack Young because she's here, she's here right, in right Vegas place, already. Right time, right? Exactly, right. I'm pretty sure that that probably had some of the thinking. Like, we're getting on a plane in a couple hours. We need to fill out our roster. We need a fourth. Who could it be? Las Vegas Aces. Well, Asia Wilson. Nope, she's already on that team. And Chelsea Grail, she's already on the team. Uh, Jackie Young, maybe Kelsey Plum put in a good word for her. Hey, yeah. you know we play pretty well together. You know the two of us. It's you know it's a that could be yeah. an advantage because we already have the chemistry. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations to Jackie Young for getting an opportunity, to win a gold medal. And if you talk to Jackie, never in her wildest dreams she thought that she would you know be be going to Tokyo. And you know when I when I talked to her the last Aces game, she was like my pregame guest, and we were, and I said to her. So what are your you know what are your vacation plans? She goes, hey, hey I'm going back home, I'm going back to Indiana. Really looking forward uh, forward That's a to song spending by the time. Jackson Five, by the way, going, going back to Indiana. <laughs> there you go. Not John Cougar Mellicamp, but the but the Jacksons. <laughs> there you go. Except they, they were going to uh, a little different part of Indiana than John Cougar Mellicamp was hanging out in. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, Gary, yeah. Indiana. Not a lot of little pink houses in Gary, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. There, so you could basically see uh, Gary, Indiana, or you could actually see. Uh, the old Comiskey Park or whatever they call it now, guaranteed rate field from anywhere in Gary, Indiana. Isn't that true? Pretty close, right? Well, depending on how the pollution and the smog is there, <laughs> right, if you right. can see anything, you know. But um, That's so, where nunchucks out. So, so the moral of the story about Jackie yeah. Young to me is, 
if you want to potentially be an Olympian, you better come and play for the Vegas Aces, or <laughs> right, right. you know, because then you're in the wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. yeah, you never know when the call's coming. So that's okay. Put on the resume there. I mean, you get to participate, chance to win a gold medal, and the Las Vegas Aces. Great PR. Hey, half of our three on three team are Las Vegas Aces. Half of our three on three, and a couple on the other team in it. And now, are they are they the most represented team overall between the three on three and the women's team? Then. Absolutely. Now? I mean, they've got to be. Got to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No. No doubt. So I mean. it's aces high for Tokyo. Yeah. Well, let's let's let's. I will say this. Yes. So it is true. I was, I was adding it up here. Three Seattle Storm uh, women are on the team. So you get you know Brianna Stewart, uh, Sue Bird, and Jewel Lloyd. But they don't have anybody in the three on three. So yeah. Aces win, right? So four, Jackie four, Young, three. Jackie Young, put them over. Seals the deal. That's it. See, the tiebreaker is big, just like the Aces defeating uh, Seattle two out of three thus far season series. Tiebreaker is big. By the way, one other thing that I wanted to throw in, since we're doing this Olympic talk right now, we're talking about the COVID and that. I'm sure you saw this, but I know you've been doing a lot of stuff this weekend. Coco Golf also out of the Olympics yeah. for the tennis. And I, I I liked her statement afterwards saying that she was really hoping and dreaming of being in the Olympics someday. She hopes that maybe somewhere down the road she can do it. Coco, you're 17 years old. You have plenty more Olympic opportunities down the road, you know, because there's not another Serena. If there's another Serena coming up from the USA, it's you, young lady, not somebody else. So, But I thought that was cool in that, that she she was disappointed. In, but, you know, when a 17-year-old says, well, I've been kind of dreaming of this my whole life and I really wanted to do this, it's like, Relax, you'll have time. <laughs> but you really you can't blame her. And, oh, really, no, no, and no. from an experience standpoint, this would have been great experience for her. It would well, not, not have been great experience, yeah. but but Osaka's dropped out. So yeah. A lot of girls aren't there in that she sort of medal. stuff. She might have got the gold. Yeah. She 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 yeah. definitely would have been one of the favorites to medal or at least yeah. be certainly in the hunt That's for sad. it, because there's so many people not there. So the number of COVID nineteen cases for these the uh, Olympic Games is now up to 61. So re- remember last year when we were dealing with this on a daily basis and we had like the COVID count of, you know, how many players and, you know, were affected. I, I, again, I'm feeling like this is a flashback. I mean, we're, we're doing this all over again, and but there's no turning back. It's deja vu all over again. It's, it's deja vu. It's, it's Groundhog Day all over again, Bill Murray, over and over. But, but there's no turning back. There, these games are going on. So, uh, it's up to 61, including some athletes who are already in the Olympic Village in Tokyo. You know? Unbelievable. And here's another uh, Olympic gymnast, American gymnast, what uh, Kara Eaker d- uh, tested positive in training camp. So even though her father says she's fully vaccinated. Well, but we're seeing uh, more and more people that have been fully right. vaccinated that are getting the virus again. Uh, all right. Christina Madison, she's going to join us tomorrow. Our good old friend, Dr. Christina. So... Uh, we're going to ask her a lot of these questions. You know, why why is this happening? And uh, and we know that uh, this will be a huge story. Unfortunately, I, I I hope it's not the main story of the Olympic Games because we only get it every four years. In this case, like you mentioned, every five years. And, uh, you know, and our basketball team is already thin. We're always talking about that. And not even got thinner. So I don't know what they're going to do. So at least, I guess, the three-on-three uh, – they had Jackie had her here, so at least their team got to, to travel together. I don't know what Team USA is going to do. And again, Team USA won. I know a lot of people. It's always a what's the latest news? Like, hey, okay, we you know we defeated Spain, so we're back, we're back. And I heard the announcer saying this yesterday while I was watching the game, is that you know yeah we're you know we're going to be fine. You know, still favorites of the gold medal. Go to the sports book. USA still favor the gold medal, but still, this is not a great roster, and. This is not ideal if you're Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, and this coaching staff where you're getting on a plane basically with eight, nine players, and then you're waiting for another three to come and join you who haven't had one practice with this team. And you're getting ready, oh, we got to open up against France. And France, as we know, Rudy Gobert, they're no slouch. I mean, no, they, fact, they're I, a metal favorite. I heard some people think that they could that they have as they could win the gold. shot to gold as anybody Absolutely. else out there. Definitely metal. And, and, and how many times during that game yesterday, I, I, I should have put an over-under on it or something and counted it more, but how many times, well, you know, Spain, the, they won the last world championships yeah. and the USA's beaten. It's like, yeah. Means so nothing. what? Yeah. <laughs> Means nothing. Yeah. You know, that and what? Seven dollars today buys you a cup of coffee or something. And, I don't know how and much Paul, it is. And Paul Gasol is thirty-six years old. Oh, and by the way, I mean, how many 
How many Olympic uh, gold medals does he have? Yeah. Zero. And Rudy Gobert started all this COVID stuff, didn't he? No, I'm just saying that. that, that in the NBA, when he touched all the stuff, that was... Uh, yeah, that brought it to the, to the forefront, didn't he, it? He certainly brought it to the forefront, making fun of everybody. Hey, yeah, I got yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, I really do have COVID. Sorry. Yeah. Whoops, my bad. Yeah. You can still ask Donovan Mitchell how he feels about that, right? The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright's going to join us. We talk Team USA, and we talk Bucks and Suns. We're going to talk about what we saw on Saturday night, that uh, very entertaining Game 5, and we preview Game 6, which we have to wait till tomorrow night. But the big seven-footer joins us next. This is Bill Cartwright of the University of San Francisco Dons. You're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. He does not know Westerns, but he does know his sports. I will be there to get him right as much as possible. I feel if you are going to play that ridiculous rejoiner that you and the seven-footer constructed while he was here, that you should come out of that with some cowboy country music like it was playing in the background. No, no. That, that is not I don't Would it be more like dun 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 Yeah, like the Cartwright theme. That's what you should come yeah. with. Yeah. You really blew that all together. I don't know. I mean, believe me, I love the cut that you played there. You know, but I even love this one. I'll say this. But doesn't fit the time. Doesn't the timing is not good. Yeah. In, in the music business, if you're at a music station, this is what's known as a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> Where the segue just does not fit. Exactly. 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 And every time I hear this, I think of Tim Brando. Maybe we're going to have, have to have Tim Brando back on again. Yeah. The transition. I like where he went with that. Very nice. All right. Well, we'll just use this. Here he comes, ladies and gentlemen. The big seven-footer. I believe size 18 and a half. I think Bob Lanier was a, was a 19. So, it's, you know, who knows? The big foot, the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright. What's going on, Bertha? Oh, well, that's uh, it's an 18. It's and, 18. you know, what's really odd about that, it's always odd, is that what do you expect a seven-foot guy to wear, like a, a 12? <laughs> I mean, is that really... That's right. Is that what you really expect? It's a good point. Exactly. Yeah. Like, hey, what shirt size are you? Uh, are you an XL? <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just wear regular. Just a regular T-shirt. Yeah, right. And it's just, it's just crazy. How, how, how has shopping been for you yeah, your entire life? I mean, do, again, you're just relegated to the big and tall. Are, 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 your, are your, you know, fashions limited? You got to go... Uh, you know, shop online. I mean, how's that work? I mean, a lot of people have these type of questions, you know. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of odd people out there. But but the <laughs> bottom line, it comes, it comes into that, you know, everybody has a little quirk. Because my my legs are really long, so my end is like a 42. But but I can wear a, a, a 2X, you know, double O shirt. Uh, and people are like, really? I say, yeah, because my torso... Is not really that long, but my legs are extraordinarily long. My legs, my arms, long. So uh, it's not bad because, uh, as a matter of fact, a guy that uh, that you know, Kevin Willis, uh, he makes uh, uh, jean shorts shirts uh, for the big and tall. There are big and talls in town. Uh, it used to be Rochester's, right? Yeah. Uh, um, so. I mean, there's there's plenty, and also if you want to get stuff made up yourself, uh, there's uh, there's there's a ton of those guys that are thrilled to make some suits for you, but uh, it's, it's going to cost you. So um, everybody's got problems, whether they're short, whether they're a little pudgy, whether they're you know fitting in with style or or whatever. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's all in what you like. For me. I'm a pretty conservative guy, as you know, so uh, I don't I don't sway away. I'm not going to wear anything flowery, um, but uh, you know, I'm just uh, I'm just a guy of my generation, so I just got to go with that. The well, this fashion update brought to you by Big Bill Cartwright. Well, and it probably helps too that if you have to buy some specialty clothes here and there, that you are a star in the NBA and you have the bankroll that you can do that because uh, not a, not every seven footer out there has that uh, going for them. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I think TCO was telling you the story about when uh, 
you know, there was people around making suits. And I can remember uh, with one of my teammates, Cliff Livingston, who I love, Cluffy. And Cluffy is, uh, you know, he and I are a little different shopping. Now, I went and I did buy a suit, beautiful suit, made up. And the guy asked me, well, what do you want with that? You want socks? You want shirts? You want belt? I said, no, I just want the suit. I'll take care of the rest. And Cliffy got all that. But the problem is, is that Cliffy bought 15 of them. <laughs> about 15 suits, plus shirts and all that other stuff. Now, I'm not going to do that. So, um, he's a little more stylish than me, but uh, that's just uh, that's just me. I don't I think there's anything one. wrong with 15 suits. I mean, you're, you're, you'll wear them. I mean, again, you go to enough uh, you know nice events. I mean, put them in your closet. Uh, yeah, you, you should have went with at least, I would say, at least seven or eight. Could have done that. No, I already have suits. And, matter of fact, I, I'll buy one or two at a time. I'm not going to buy 15 suits. There's, there's not going to be ever any time in my life where I'm going to need to go in and buy 15 suits. Like, now, like a guy uh, buying 15 you, cars, right? There's no need to, to buy 15 cars, Floyd Mayweather Jr., no, right? Well, it, it depends. If it's old cars, now we got something a little bit different. Okay. Yeah, so, you could so, be a car collector like Jay Leno or something. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So okay, that's bad a example. <laughs> but uh, no, no, the suits. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I uh, uh, at least not for me. Are you trying to say that there's a time in your life where you needed to buy ten suits? How many suits does TC Martin have? Not many, to be honest with you. Uh, not, I don't know. Not, not many because. Uh, you know, a lot of times I will go ahead and do the rental thing when I'm going to go to a, a big occasion. Like because, the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame right, or something. Exactly. And I like to go, or if I'm emceeing an event, and, you know, I'll, I'll say it. I mean, fortunately, I'll be able to work a deal with someone who will provide it for me. And I like to go above and beyond and wear, like, a crazy zoot suit or something like that. And so, yeah, a lot of times you can't buy that kind of stuff. So big events, I, I go more towards that routine. So you have a Zoot Suit Riot. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some footer. Uh, this game we, wa- we watched on Saturday night, uh, game number five. We had talked a lot about these two teams, what kind of series we are going to have. We were genuinely excited about it. But this thing really has lived up to the hype. As much as you and I both complain about basketball during the course of the regular season and the type of style and the games and the, you know, the abundance of threes, I don't know. It seems like we could put I won't speak for you, but I guess I could put to get put that to a side to a, to a certain degree because I have enjoyed this series thus far. But let's start off with this. Let, let's first of all, let's recap a, a game 5. So, the Phoenix Suns jump out to a 37-21 lead at the end of the first quarter. They uh Bucks come storming back. They erase a 16-point deficit. They outscored the Phoenix Suns the rest of the way. Uh and the Bucks made 32 of 45 shots during the second and third quarters. Think about this. Second and third quarter, they make 32 out of 45. Unheard of. And I believe there was like the, this stretch in the game where I think the Bucks scored like on 10 or 11 straight possessions. Uh, they outscored Phoenix 79 to 53 during the second and the third. They shot 62%, which was just percentage points. I think behind Orlando for a for the first three quarters of an NBA Finals game, just phenomenal uh, the way uh, you know the, the the Bucks turned this thing around. But just when we thought it was over, the Phoenix Suns were down nine with three and a half minutes to go. They actually get within one with a chance actually to take the lead, and this happens. Suns have a timeout. Decide not to call it. The drive gets inside, leans in, back away, it's stolen by Holiday. Phoenix has to foul, and a pinnacle foul throws it down. And a foul. Giannis on the alley oop. What a turnaround. What a turnaround it was. Basically, game set match, even though you know Giannis missed the free throw, uh, got an offensive board, tapped it back out to Middleton. And he to me, that was two, the play of the game. Yeah. That tap back. Yeah. Because he made sure I'm not going to get the rebound and yep. have him follow me again. Yep. I don't want to go back to the line. He tapped it back. Middleton missed one of them as well, but he made one, and that was pretty much 
like you said, that sealed it. All right. Game five, in your opinion, uh, Bill, what were your thoughts there? What I did not like, now look, there's going to be times during the course of the series where guys just make tough shots, like Booker did. Booker made a a hell of a lot of tough jump shots. I mean, he's he's really fallen to his own. He's an all-star player. What I did not like was all the layups that they gave up. He just gave up too many damn many layups. Now, uh, if this is supposed to be a hard-fought game, right? It's a hard-fought game. Yes. Both teams shot over 50%. Both teams shot over 50% of the three-point line. The Suns shot over 60 from the three-point line. How How is this a hard-fought game? This, this was a walk in the park. These guys scored 40 points in the second quarter. They scored 123 points for the game to 119. How is this a hard-fought game? Well, I think when people use that term hard fought, I think that gets misrepresented a little bit. And they mean it was a close, it was a competitive game. I think that's what they mean when you say hard fought. Now, it sounds like you're saying hard fought turns into a physical battle. And you're going back to, to your battles like with the Pistons or you know some of those, no, great, those great finals. I don't know. What? I'm not going back there. I'm saying that you're not guarding anybody. You have 123 points. You have 41 points in the second quarter. Hard fought that, equates a, defense for that, you. How is that? How is that stopping anybody? Oh, they didn't stop anybody. And again, how about no. how about this stat? To your point, the Phoenix Suns shoot fifty percent from the field, ninety percent from the free throw line, and still lose. How does that happen? Well, and the other thing that I think Bill brought up, and I agree with him on it, especially in an NBA Finals, when you get that many layups. How are you not being knocked down to the ground? You've got to pay for that. You can't have uncontested layups in no. Game 5 in the final. These guys are soft, man. They're all soft, right? What did Steve Sachs say? Uh, well, uh, the wimpification well, uh, of America? Well, <laughs> look, I, just, I, I would just like to see the, the idea that and these guys are great players. Now, look, there's, there's no question about it. But I can't get beat at three. I can't get beat from the two-point line. And I can't get beat on the free throw line, right? You've got to make a decision. Where are you going to get beat? So you, these guys got beat from every every spot. They got beat outside. They got beat inside. They got beat on the free throw line. And well, except for uh, Milwaukee because they can't make free throws. So um, that's what I would like to see. I, I would like to see these guys being smarter defensively. Just give it up tough shots. If they make them, they make them. Uh, I don't like all the direct line uh, drives to the basket and the layups. That 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 really hurts me. And then, you know, it's it's such a common thing now that it's like, oh, well, you made a great move. You made a great move. Just back up and make it and get beat from one way or the other. But uh, it's just. I didn't. I didn't think it was a great game. I thought it was a great win for uh, for the Bucks, and then now they can uh, close it out. But I didn't. I didn't think it was a great game. I didn't think it was a smart game. Um, I just saw uh, who was it? The Sun tried once to jump in the zone because they couldn't stop anybody. Stayed there at least a couple times. So let me go back to this. Try. Let's go. Let's go to back to the coaching here because I. I think. This is a message, and we're not in the huddles. We don't get a chance really to see the coaches in the huddle, but we can only gauge by what we see from the cameras during the course of the game when they show the coaches in the bench, especially after three, after three, after three, or after you know uh, every you know possession, those 10, 11 in a row where you're giving up points and a guy burns a timeout. What would Bill Cartwright say in that huddle? What would you say to your guys? Because I don't believe, Bill, that either one of these coaches or many coaches in the NBA are grilling their guys and saying, get in front of somebody, knock somebody down, play some defense, get physical, I, you know, challenge. And this, this is what bothers me. It's just that I, I don't see enough guys challenging shots for the most part. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to throw my hand up you know, in his waist or whatever, but I'm not going to put it in his face. I'm not going to challenge shots. And I don't see coaches really challenging their players or getting on their players for this. So tell me what your thoughts about that is, and what would you say if, if you're coaching 
in today's NBA, and you're and you're in one of these type of games where you need your team to clamp down. Uh, hey, look, I'm, I'm not saying these guys aren't playing hard, and and I'm not saying that they're not being physical enough because I think there was situations in that game that was a really physical game. Right, there was a lot of contact. I'm just saying they're not being very smart. And and, and how there's playing. too many wide and open what? shots, though. Didn't you agree with that? I mean, there's too too many uncontested layups. There's too many wide open threes. The rotations are poor. That's all I'm saying, and that all goes back to to defense, not just challenging what? shots, but being in the right what? place. Exactly, and I agree with you. But what I'm saying is that you've got to decide. These guys are too good. They're too good for you to let them get to let them beat you. At the three-point line, at the basket, and at, and on the free throw line, you got to make a decision. Where where are you going to get beat? And and for me, if if they're giving up a bunch of shots from the outside, and you get beat, you got beat. And God bless you. But I don't think I don't think you can do it. I think you can get beat uh, from the three-point line and at the basket. And on the free throw line, that's why you end up with 123 points, 129 points. Well, I'm sorry, 119 points. But uh, uh, you've got to decide during the course of the game, look, guys, this is this is how we're going to get beat. This is how we're going to get beat. And if, and if it's not working, we'll change it. But but at least, I'm, are, you, are you telling me, I'm asking you, what is the defensive philosophy that's going on with these guys? What is it? I, I don't know. You can tell I, me. I, I, I'd appreciate it. I, I would love to. I really don't know. I don't know. And then and we'll see at times that, oh, we're going to drop back into a zone. And that just kills me because you don't play zone the majority of the time on any NBA team, especially these two teams. And we say, we're going to drop into a zone. Oh, what are you going to do? Now, now you're really going to give them some wide open looks for, from three because the zone doesn't take away – uh, the three. The zone is supposed to take away the paint. And like I said, most of these guys aren't driving the paint except for Giannis. That's a bit. So I don't know what the defensive philosophy is because I see bad switches. We've talked about that from, from games one and two in Milwaukee side. And we're seeing on both sides. And I see lack of rotation. I don't I don't know. To, to me, it, it's, there's virtually no defense except for one guy, and that's Drew Holiday. And he's been fantastic. And the, the, the problem with the Bucks is they don't know whether to put him on Chris Paul or Devin Booker. And uh, that's, that's, that's where the problem is. They put him on Paul, and then Booker goes off for 40. Luckily, the Bucks still have had enough to win. But, you know, these games are razor thin. I mean, we're talking about one or two possessions here that still could have gone either way. I mean, Phoenix, again, went for the second game in a row, shot these incredible numbers, and they had a chance to win, and they, they choked it away. So I, I don't know. I, I got just... Two quick questions for you. One is, do you think Phoenix is cooked? And and the other part of the, this is, why have the Suns looked so different from what we saw in games one and two to what we saw in three, four, and five? Because I thought that in this last game, it was one guy really dominating, dominating the game, and he was on. Bunker was on at 40. He shot a great percentage, but what that does is that, that takes others out of it. Like Crowler, Crowler ended up at 10. But but he wasn't really that involved offensively, and also look at it, you know he's got to give um, Milwaukee credit because uh, Kavanaugh and uh, Bobby Portis, who's to, I guess turned into a folk legend now in Milwaukee, uh, those guys bring a lot of energy on the court, and and the Suns have not had that. Uh, you know the Suns bench are getting you know I think. Uh, uh, you know, Johnson had six, and somebody else had six, and Craig had three. But but they're not bringing the same kind of energy. So the Sun starters are, are logging minutes, and it takes it out on them at the end of the game. Thus, you know, the big turnover by Holiday, the big steal. Uh, interesting enough, I thought he was going to pull it to the basket, and he pulled it out and then threw a lob. About that, threw a lob from 25 feet, and luckily caught it. <laughs> And made it and got fouled, but uh, that's the way the Bucks play, well, though. They, they are unconventional in that way, and we know that. And that's why, again, they fa- they fell behind, you know, by sixteen. But then they get hot, and offensively, they do some quirky things, but they get away with it. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, this has been, you know, I mean, you know, the Suns are playing a small team. They're playing a small lineup. Uh, Milwaukee's figured it out. They, they, all that's what you're going to take advantage of. Uh, you would like to think that was going to continue to happen in this next game where, uh, you know, the Suns, you feel like they have to make uh, some changes, but I don't see how they're going to do it. They've got a small team. They're not going to change it. They're going to play the same style and just hope that they can somehow slow the bugs down and hopefully uh, um, keep them in the vicinity so they can uh, somehow get a win. But, um but you're right. You know what? It's, it it has been a good series. We should we should be loving this right now. It's something different. It's something to talk about. There's no uh, we have no clue what's going to happen in this next game. That's for damn sure. Uh, so so it has been. It's been a great series. So what are your what is your thought right now? Is it over in six, or does Phoenix find a way to get the wind and make it a game seven? Which everybody always says they want a game seven. I think this year you can say everybody except the people in Wisconsin want a game seven. Well, this, this is the Bucks. This this is the Bucks game to lose, as far as I'm concerned. They've got everything going for them. They got momentum going for them. They 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 figured out the formula. Uh, everybody's playing well. Everybody's healthy. They've got a better bench, uh, unless something really, you know, the Suns do something really screwy or do something that's pure genius on defense that really takes uh, takes uh, their their scores out of the game. Uh, this has got to be Milwaukee's game. And, and what's interesting is that um, people people like the Bucks. People really do. Not that they don't like Phoenix, but they really, uh, I I think, have embraced the Bucs as being, you know, the type of team they want to see win. Uh, So uh, they they just got everything, I believe, going for them. I agree with you. And we're going to touch on that uh, on the other side of the hour as well. All right, my friend, uh, we'll let you go. And uh, look at this. Numchuck, see, he he knows what you like. He's going, he's going, is it Western music? Is that country and Western? That's Western. <laughs> I don't know what that is. What are you playing? That sounds something like, I guess it could be a. I think it's a theme song from one of the old Westerns, but I'm not really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there it is. All right. All right, Bill, we'll leave you with that. Yeah, you guys got to work on that too. Come on, not you guys. That's one person that's, behind the glass. That's one person over there. He thinks he's being uh, great. Somebody better coach him up. That's all I'm saying. Play some defense, <laughs> Numchuck. Dia, get a hand in the face. Contest. Watch right. out for flying deer on those alley oops. That's right. All right, all right, brother. I'll talk to you later. All right, guys. Adios. He is the big seven footer, Big Bill Cartwright, giving his thoughts on game number five and. Uh, Looking forward to game number six tomorrow. Again, got to wait the extra day. That's okay. We'll hype it up. When we come back on the other side, we are going to talk more about NBA Finals. Bernie Fratto is going to join us next hour as well, so hang tight for that. Plenty to talk about here on this uh, Basketball Monday, T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin Show.